the one thing that's among leaders that seems to be consistent is that ability to be resilient. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hey there, and welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast. I'm Terry Lepovsky, and on this week's show, we're exploring the topic of accomplishing the impossible. I wanted to start this episode with a statement. Leadership is not a job, it's an action. Leaders are not just the people with corner offices and ivory towers. In fact, leaders can be found in communities, families, associations, places of worship, sport, business, and government. Well, today we have the distinct pleasure of talking with someone who provides leadership in perspective, and especially in the perspective of what the rest of us believe is humanly possible. Ray Zahab is the founder of Impossible to Possible. It's a small nonprofit group of determined people who challenge our preconceived notions of what's possible and that people can achieve almost anything if they put their minds and hearts into it fully and completely. Ray Zahab, welcome to Inspiring Leaders. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Terry. I'm excited to be here. It's great to chat with you. Well, listen, first question for you before we roll, what leader has inspired you and why? Leaders come in all shapes and form, and I think that leadership is also a very relative thing. Leaders that have inspired me, I mean, you know, you, you could be led from, you know, bottom up or top down. It depends on how you take inspiration. So I would say that my, probably my, bro- my brother John would be a leader whom I've most been inspired by, not because of a series of accomplishments, but because of a, a way of living. Living and decision-making at a young age where I was impressed with his capacity to find a passion in his life. Is a leader a CEO of a mega corporation, a president or a prime minister, or is a leader someone that you draw inspiration from? That would be my first off the top. Oh, I think that's a great answer. And that's actually one of the main reasons why this podcast exists is really to showcase leadership in many different forms out there. Well, I know that you've been a pace setter, improving to people that they can accomplish almost anything that they set their minds to. And you've proven this time and time and time again. And I just wanted to maybe cover off a couple of the things that you've accomplished in the last 10 years. Back in 2006, you and a couple of other guys ran the entire length of the Sahara Desert in Africa, 7,500 kilometers for 111 days from Morocco to Egypt in 40 degrees Celsius heat. If I remember this right, with Matt Damon narrating, there was a Hollywood documentary made about this called running the Sahara, but you ran the equivalent of more than a marathon a day. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, you started us out a little bit further north than we we were actually in Senegal when we started. We ran an average of about 70 kilometers per day. You know, it's interesting. You get, from a physical perspective, it sounds ridiculous. It's 70K a day, average for 111 days, zero days of rest. The physical part was, as I've said so many times before, probably the least difficult part of it. The most difficult part of the expedition was both the emotional and the mental aspect of doing this thing. Not only missing my wife, Kathy, at home, but also seeing things in Africa that perhaps through the adventure on exhausted bodies, experiencing and witnessing and seeing things that I'd never seen before, like the water situation in North Africa. You know, when you're crossing 
across six countries, all of Libya, all of Niger, all of Mali, all of Mauritania, all of Egypt, you know, and then that piece of Senegal to start, you see a lot. It's this crazy mix of learning stuff that's happening as it's happening, but you're immersed. It changes your perspective on everything. Just so people don't get the impression that this is all that you've done. I can't believe this. 1100 kilometer minus 40 degrees Celsius trek to the South Pole. You've crossed 650 kilometers on Lake Baikal in Siberia. You ran 250 kilometers across Death Valley. And I think you did that twice, right? Yeah, twice, two different routes. And you know, and the list goes on. I've been across the Atacama, the Gobi, the Patagonian Desert. But you know what? It's, it's funny because I never, you know, unless I'm on a podcast with uh, Terry or something, you know, I, I rarely look at that list. I was speaking at a conference one time. I asked him, I said, so, you know, if you were to give me one nugget of wisdom or, or concept or idea, you know, what would it be? Because, I mean, this person started with very little and, and, and in their world, by their definition, or the definition of some had accomplished so much. So they were very much a successful business person. And they said, you know what? I look at my life like getting on a highway. So I'm always concerned about what's coming up from behind, but I'm accelerating. I got the foot on the accelerator and I'm more concerned with what's in front of me as I get on the on-ramp, basically, of life, right? So I thought it was a sort of a neat analogy. So I don't look too much into the past. I don't sit around thinking about, you know, that self pole was cool. I, you know, I, I, I try to focus more on what we're doing or where I'm going in, in where I am in the present and where I want to go in, in the future. And so it's, it's interesting, you know, to hear a list and you just don't really ever, sounds like an obituary. <laughs> I think it does provide people with some perspective that you've done some things that most people would never even think about because most people would consider these just to be so far out of the realm of humanly possible. Yeah, but when I'm at the National Gallery and I see amazing painting, or I look at some incredible photography, or I see somebody play a piece of music, I'm always blown away by the fact that the risks they take in doing the things they do, or how they're willing to put themselves out there, or how they accomplish these great things. It's very much a relative thing. It's relative to the individual in a lot of ways. It's not, you can't really measure one person's success versus another's. I mean, it's great to take inspiration from what others do, but I think that you have to define what it is for yourself. He's like, you know, you're a singer and are you going to compare yourself to Beyonce or whoever? I mean, that's, you know, you got to just sort of, you're, you're in your own thing. You define yourself by your act than what it is that you do and, and how you create the things that, that you create. But I also think that that takes time to come to that. And maybe it's because I'm getting old that now I'm thinking. <laughs> You're kind of hitting on something that I'm super interested to find out. Ray, you have not always been this guy who can run multiple marathons across the Sahara Desert in the heat every day for 111 days. At one point in time, you were an overweight chain smoker and then something happened. Something clicked in you and it became incredibly motivating. I'm curious to find out what got you to start training by tying car tires behind you and running uphill to get in shape. It always sounds more dramatic when we're thinking into the past. I tell you what, I was a very normal person with normal problems and normal issues. And again, the most difficult things that you go through in your life, challenges are relative to you. 
so are the great achievements. They're very much relative to the individual. And so at my time, in my late 20s, going into my third uh, decade, I was very unsatisfied with myself and very unhappy because I felt that I was living a life where I wasn't accomplishing or doing really anything, bouncing around from one sort of odd job, if you will, to the next. I was very unhealthy. I was smoking a pack or two a day, drinking way too much, et cetera. I was, was I sedentary? Yeah, more or less at that time, but it was less about the health. It wasn't like I said, I need to get healthy. It was, I need to be happy. My brother had discovered running and triathlon and, and climbing and rock climbing and mountain biking and paddling, and he was doing all these cool things. I saw him redefine himself and take passion from what he was doing. And it was interesting because don't forget, you're younger, barely got out of high school. I did not complete my studies in community college. And so your preconceived notion of what being successful means was all about money or having enough of it, having the things that society said that you sort of more or less needed to have to define yourself. And what I found that my brother was gaining a happiness and a passion from the things that he was doing, not the things that he had. So I thought, well, geez, I'd love to feel the way he feels. So I started doing the things he does. It was that simple. And I mean, the most difficult part was the quitting smoking because I love smoking. <laughs> like less of an addiction and more of a passion it was smoking cigarettes, which my girls both know is very, very bad. So right. that's the hardest thing I've ever done was quit smoking. Running across the Sahara, easy. Quitting smoking, hard, you know? So I keep going back to that. It's what's relative, but that's what's in my mind. When I finally gave up the pack a day, smoking that, and I came in control of that, and I was in control for the first time of my life of something in my life, i.e. my health, and I was managing it and changing the direction, then my life changed. I took control of one thing in my life. And that changed, you know, created a snowball effect of other things in my life that would precipitate. And I was very open to the process of that happening at the time because I had nothing to lose. I didn't have any money. I, you know, I didn't have, so I had nothing to lose but to try. Right. And it worked out. And interestingly, in those first few years of the millennium, like 2000, 2001, after kicking the, the smoking and eating, eating healthy and starting to train and doing the things that my brother John was doing, I realized I had the same sort of, if you will, genetic engine, if I can call it that, that my brother did. And I was capable of doing long bouts. Within the first few years of quitting smoking, I think it was two years in, I was doing 24-hour solo mountain bike races. Wow. Can you imagine? It's, it's so hard. But I was able to do it because I just thought, why wouldn't you try? <laughs> my first ultra marathon, my first running race was in the Yukon. 100 miles, I'd never done a running race. I'd done multiple adventure races after seeing the Eco Challenge, but not a running race, a formalized running race. And I did the Yukon, and I, I didn't just finish, and I won it. And, you know, I'd never really won anything like that in my entire life. So to be able to say, hey, you know, and, you know, people ask me, well, you didn't work up to it. I was like, well, no, I never thought of working up to it. I just entered it, you know? So, <laughs> Incredible. You know, who was it that said, uh, the Roosevelt? I was, asked, I was asked this question in my presentation. You have nothing to fear, but fear itself. Yeah. People will spend, as I did, the first 30 years of my life talking myself out of doing things instead of talking myself into doing things. Because that's the first thing we do is worry about what others uh, will think. We worry about, well, if I make this decision, what if it doesn't work out? 
What if it, it ends up bad? You know, and I and I, I would worry about selling it. Now, if I think it's a, a good idea or a good concept, I'll give it a try. And if it fails, well, okay, you learned why. So it's not even a failure. In essence, it's a lesson. And it's a great thing because then you never do it twice. Yeah, yeah. So what am I losing by not starting it? Well, exactly. You got to at least try, right? This is something else I've been dying to ask you this. So you're on these crazy tracks, whether it's the Sahara or the Patagonian Desert or Atacama Desert in Chile. You're on these massive undertakings. Was there ever a time or times when you became so frustrated or or otherwise that you just wanted to curl up into the fetal position and quit and go home? Oh, many times. I mean, listen, every day has its challenges, right? And every day you wonder, are you going to get through it? What do you do about that? Well, you know what? You break things down, break your goals down into tangible completion points. So instead of, you know, I just heard this the other night, but it maybe it was a movie and it was like this Navy SEAL term, the way you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. You know, and it's kind of that same idea. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it, it's about taking, it's about taking a day, for example, bad day. In the Atacam, I, I a horrible blister at one point. Almost wasn't going to be able to finish. Horribly infected. Yeah. And I was day seven. And I was trying to crank out 70K a day. I was alone. Oh. And I was meeting with my crew every... So I was alone for, let's say, 30K at a time on average. And I would get a resupply, et cetera. So at one point, you know, when I got this blister, I thought, to myself, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to continue to stop that day. Woke up the next morning and you know what I said to myself? I didn't think about getting all the way across the Atacama. I thought about getting through the day. And if I could get through the day, that one day, and feel like I had accomplished the day without making my foot worse, that I knew that I was going to be able to get the job done. And so it's breaking it down into those little chunks then. Is that what gets you back on track or do you visualize your the end goal? Yeah. So, you know, and, and to put it into a, a perspective that is applicable to, to everyone with anything you're doing, you know, Terry, every one of these things I've ever done, I've always learned, learned things. You know, when I get blisters, I don't do the same thing twice. It was a concept that was given to me by running. I say running has been my greatest teacher because running has taught me things like get an injury, don't do that same thing, and it won't happen again. Well, I wasn't doing stuff like that in my life. So I try things now in my life. If it doesn't work out, I go in the exact opposite direction. I try something completely different. In setting those daily goals when I don't feel like doing it, by achieving the goal, so that blister that day in the Atacam, I get to the end of the day, and I said to myself, as long as it doesn't look any worse, like and it was infected and you know puffy and bleeding and everything, as long as it's no worse, I'll be able to finish this expedition as a whole, not just the day. If it looks worse, I don't know how I'm going to do another day. And you know what? I got the end of that day. They unbandaged it. It didn't look any worse. So I was able to get up the next day in 50 degrees Celsius heat, crank out 70K the next day, and keep going. And by the time I got done running across the Atacama Desert, I had a tiny little band-aid on this massive blister there that healed. It healed over the course of the 1,200 kilometers that I ran. And there's some superhuman feat of healing and strength and power, not at all. It was the capacity to be resilient in a time when the things weren't going well. And that's the times that count. When things aren't going well, resilience is defined as, in my mind, when things aren't going well, it's your ability to stick to it and not give up and see, if you will, that light at the end of the tunnel. 
things will get better. But, you know, across the Atlantic, there's going to be a storm, you know, most times. Right. <laughs> right? I'm just blown away when you describe stuff like this. What percent of it is mental? What percent of it is physical? I know that's a trick question because you already know that I've got this the saying that I've... Oh, I don't know, actually. A lot of the challenges that we face in life that are goal-based, 90% mental, that's what it is. Because the stuff I'm doing, for me personally, obviously it's very physical. Obviously there's pain involved. Obviously there's going to be injuries now and then. I've accepted those terms and conditions. This is what I do. So with that, not approaching it with bravado, but instead approaching it with a head that says, look at there's going to be great days. There's going to be bad days. It's you got to get your head around it. You're in the game, you know, and you got to do it. It's the same thing. I mean, you know, people I talk to, it's amazing. I've been really lucky with what I do to meet tons of amazing people all over the world, no matter what it is, business or politics, religion, whatever it is, the arts. The one thing that's among leaders that seems to be consistent is that ability to be resilient. It's that ability to accept the terms you know you've got to weather those hard storms. It's maybe a week after you finished one of these epic journeys of yours where you've run 70 kilometers per day in extreme heat. Now you're back at home. You're looking back on it. What's the sense of accomplishment like for an extreme guy like you? Well, uh, you know, same sense. I'll tell you what. When we reached the edge of the Red Sea after 7,500K of running, I remember because I had started running, literally like consistent running three and a half years or so before the day that we arrived at the edge of the Red Sea. I was like pretty much a new runner. Less than 10 years before that, I was smoking a pack a day of cigarettes. You know what I thought of? The time I ran the first 5K, I was able to run, and it was actually 7K, it was a loop. And we ran 7K, I'll never forget, we ran the 7K loop, and I didn't have to walk. And that sense of accomplishment, how I felt, I just thought, wow, I ran seven kilometers without stopping. Like, that's crazy. And the day I reached the Red Sea and put my hands in the water and the expedition was over, I felt exactly the same way. No better, no less, the exact same way. It's relative. Incredible. Okay, I have one last question. This one's about leadership. I've got to ask you this. Okay. What does inspired leadership mean to you, Ray? I think great leaders of today, the great ones that you see, are the most successful business are collaborative. They really, truly are taking ideas laterally. They're collaborative. They're listening to one another. They're taking each other's ideas and they, they move forward, strength and numbers, and they move forward with that. Leaders of the past, perhaps, were a very one-dimensional. Leaders of today are multi-dimensional. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love that. It's the enabler versus someone who's keeping everybody closed down. Times have changed. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a generation of young people that are completely digital, that are used to a completely connected society where information is completely instantaneous. Communication amongst People has changed dramatically and what it means to interact with one another is forever different from our generation. From working, as you said before, in a collaborative aspect, as leaders working in a collaborative aspect, that is without doubt going to be more what defines a future leader. You know, I'm excited to see what our young people these days will be doing in the future. Yeah. Uh, their, their capacity to digest knowledge is unbelievable. Yeah. Curious to find if people want to connect with you, how are they going to find you? I have a website, raisahab.com. 
I'm on Instagram every day, Ray Zahab, R-A-Y-Z-A-H-A-B. You'll find me on Instagram. And same thing on Facebook. I have an official page, if you will, a public page. It's got a little blue check beside my name. And those are the places where I post daily. I'm on Twitter also. I post sometimes on Twitter. And what's coming up next for you? You've got some stuff going on this year? Yeah, I've got a, a really big expedition. We haven't yet announced the location in January, a really big, a few thousand kilometer project. And then I've as well through my organization, Impossible to Possible, we just took a group of youth across Canada. We, we create learning-based youth running expeditions that are 100% free all over the world. And we take kids all over the world. It's incredible. I, I love how you change minds. You literally change people's perceptions of what's humanly possible. All the best to you. Thank you so much for being on Inspiring Leaders. And I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines, Ray. Thanks, buddy. Have a great one. Thanks again for being part of our quest to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. Wherever you are, we hope that we've helped to inspire you and that you'll pay it forward by inspiring others. And just a reminder to support us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud with your ratings and comments. That support is hugely appreciated. Until next time, take care, everyone.